Publishing Podcast, where I, Felicity Anderson, interview our authors to talk about their releases. Today, I'll be talking with author Michael Alexander Rodriguez about his book, Technomyth, released back in February, available now. If you're a fan of Michael, be sure to listen to the end where he hints at his new book of monsters, apocalypses, and other things coming out late summer of this year. All right. Hi, everyone. We're doing something a little bit different today. Today, I have Michael A. Rodriguez, author of Technomyth. His book came out in February, uh, and that is the different aspect of this. Usually, we sit down and talk with an author a week ahead of their release. Um, But as a new company, and especially as a new podcast, we're stepping back in time a little bit and sitting down with some of our first set of authors that released prior to the podcast being a thing. Now, Michael, how have you been since last we spoke? I've been doing pretty good. Thank you for having me on here. Also, I think we can also make this a bit more relevant because I am releasing a second book here. So that is correct. And you uh, were working on the cover art. How's that coming along? I uh, just finished with the cover art and uh, they just sent me the bill. So everything's looking good and fine and can't wait to move forward. So we can circle back and touch back on that towards the end. Yeah, um, at the moment, we'll we'll start with the Technomyth, but before we get into that, can you just introduce yourself to those who maybe don't know you yet? My name is Michael Alexander Rodriguez. I'm from Colorado, and I am a writer, an actor, as well as an artist. And science fiction and fantasy has played a lot into what I do and also how I view the world. And I've got lots of really big ideas spraying my brain. (laughs) Yeah. And how long have you been writing for? Oh, I think I started writing when I was, I think it was about 12 is when I started writing. It was more or less just little tiny sentences, just trying to figure out how to proceed forward. It wasn't until high school that I finally start to begin trying to write an actual novel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And did writing come first or did your, your desire for acting come first? Writing came first. Acting was something that I picked up along the way from writing and plays into my love of just telling a really good story. Yeah. What are some strengths that you think that your uh, experience in acting has bled into your writing experience? Uh, Definitely action. Uh, When it comes to action, when you're writing, it can get very dull very quickly if you don't Mm -hmm. know how to word it properly. And that mostly comes from not having performed the action yourself or not being able to put yourself into a physical space to perform said action. Mm-hmm. For instance, if I said I was going to pirouette off my heel to face kick the next guy, go into a knee crouch and then shoot them. It's pretty much more of a, I've done a sort of pirouette on a stage before and I've done a kick before. So I can kind of merge both those actions into the same mm-hmm. thing. And I know how that's going to look in my head as well as in the physical aspect a really good answer and and that's actually um something i haven't even thought of because when i was thinking about acting i usually think first about dialogue and being able to to deliver lines and that's something i remember from reading your book is that the dialogue felt natural and to hear you go a different direction with the answer with the action now that you say it i can 100 percent see that and that is an incredible strength to bring into writing I will also agree that the acting does help with dialogue. I didn't learn that from uh, acting. What I learned that from was actually just sitting back and listening to people. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes it'd be just for classmates and sometimes it'd be like i'd be in a large cafeteria room and i'd just be in the back and i'd be listening to everyone's conversation going around around me and you kind of pick up the nuances of how he, people speak to each other. Mm-hmm. Let's start talking about Technomyth. So for the people that haven't heard about Technomyth, how would you summarize it? And who would you say is the ideal reader for this for this book of yours? Technomyth is a science fiction fantasy is the best way to genreize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for someone who might want to read this, I'm going to be kind of reveal one of my inspirations here is probably someone who loves Mass Effect or maybe the Shinar Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got this weird blend of magic and technology that are very diametrically opposed to each other in the story and kind of find a way to merge together to work out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so it's a, it's this clash of two worlds. You have this idea of, uh, quote, future meeting, quote, past, but in a way that is is not expected it's the opposite way from what you would expect actually oh yes and and brought together by a cataclysmic event that is very much could be not that of science fiction but something that could be a reality at the the same time not the magic part but yeah (laughs) so uh mass effect being a inspiration of yours is something that i i was able to pick up on now that might be a little bit bias from me like it might be a little bit specific to myself i have two tattoos on my body and they're both mass effect related so nice (laughs) um so that is something that i was able to and, and actually when i was reading through your work when we were going through the editing process i wrote down a list of things that felt like uh sources of inspiration there were all things mass effect included that i very much enjoy so i definitely agree with you that those of uh who have an interest in mass effect or mass effect like media content to go ahead and take a look at Technomyth because um, I also think those that are interested in like Dungeons and Dragons could also find some interest in it as well. So if you're interested in either of those things, definitely take a look at Technomyth. You can take a look at it. It's in our store online at wanderingmindspublishing.com. You can get it in paperback or ebook. And in the future, we will be offering other formats such as hardcovers and maybe even audiobooks. Keep a ear out for that. We're looking into that stuff right now. Oh yeah, no, I've I've been really thinking about the audiobook because uh, I recently was talking to a coworker who uh, said that they have a brother who I can't remember what she said, but it was something that affects their ability to read. Mm-hmm. And they said that they find more entertainment and enjoyment from hearing people read because then that they can understand that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I can't remember that what it be... was called, but I do remember that that was the main reason why they were like, "Do you have an audiobook?" I'm like. Nope, not yet. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of our authors are asking, uh, they're inquiring about audiobooks, and that's something that after we move, you're based in Colorado, correct? Yes. Yeah, so we're actually relocating to Colorado, so we'll um, nice. actually be in Golden, west of Denver. So we're getting ready to move within this next month. End of April, beginning of May is when we're actually moving across the country. So. Oh, nice. Um, you're going to be moving closer to my brother. Yeah, <laughs> and... Uh, And what we'll be doing after that, after we're focusing on making this big move, is we're looking into investing in these big changes, such as introducing hardcovers and really investing in the audiobooks. So um, those of you that would be interested in grabbing Technomyth in either of those formats, keep an eye out. We'll probably have something like that around the summer of this year. And that's something that, that Michael and I can talk about more behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, no, definitely sounds like a very fun conversation. 
All right. So how many stories did it take before you ended up with Technomyth? It took three. Mm-hmm. The first one I, was a story that I actually completed, but I had handwritten it all down. And when I was going to type it back all in and I was reading it, it just didn't sound good to me. And I was like, I can't in full honesty finish this story. So mm-hmm. shelve that project, began running again. Thought I had something halfway decent, but again, as I was reading it, it didn't sound good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking through everything that was going on in it and just reading it. I'm like, I could see this being an idea for something else, but this isn't good for the, a book. And so I felt that idea put away somewhere. So I started doing a little bit more research, working in how different writers reading sort of their biographies on how they write stuff. And uh, one that really stood out to me was Stephen King. Remember, I read, I can't remember what his book was called, but it was pretty much a book on on how he writes and writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really good book. I can't remember the title of it, though, at the moment, but... I kind of went through that and tried to use some of the techniques that he was using in his writing and started working on a second book. The problem was that as I was working on this, again, the words that were coming out and were being put on page didn't feel, I didn't feel like I could finish it was the best way to put it. Mm. Looking through it and reading it, there wasn't anything worth finishing. It was an idea, which is good, and I had the basis of it, but it wasn't worth finishing and turning into a book. So I put that away. I continued sort of kind of short writing little things here and there, just keeping my skills fresh and everything. And then as I was short writing one time, I began with the first sentence of this, of the book. And as I was kind of looking over the sentence, I was like, what if someone else was reading this? And then it spiraled into this whole thing. And uh, that's when I (laughs) kind of picked up steam and it took two years after that to finish it. So, (laughs) yeah. And so it was really that first sentence that really roped you in as this is something that is worth keeping up with. It was that first sentence. And then me stepping back for a quick moment, looking Mm -hmm. at it and going, what if I do it from this perspective? Yeah. And then I will admit that I had read the Shannara Chronicles a little bit before this, as well as been doing several other different things. And the thought process of this being a sort of mixture of both science fiction and fantasy kind of began to merge together in my brain and as I was writing, I was also writing off notes and starting to put into words that how the world works and everything. And the two years was spent writing the book. Half that time was also writing. So this is how this world works. Let me write this down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. World building. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have your book right here. I'm going to read the first paragraph for those that are interested. Now, uh, when I say first paragraph, I'm talking about the first paragraph of chapter one. We have since your book was submitted and edited, added a prologue. So um, I'm not. Um, I'm glad that we did put the prologue in. So um, so just so everyone knows what we're talking about, we're talking about the sentence in chapter one. So it goes. I can't remember a time we didn't have to fight. In the history of humankind, it's the one thing that never changes. Our driving factor, I guess. 
When times of peace finally catch up with this, it doesn't stay for long. The world is at war once more, and for this, I see only sorrow. And that is how it all starts. Yep. Like I said, as I was looking at this, at that sentence, I was like, who would be reading this? And again, that's the whole little mental tick that just flipped mm-hmm. the switch. <laughs> so you said it took you two years to write this book. So if you could look back at where you were when you started and where you are now, how have things changed for you? Oh, a lot has changed. I was in college at the time. It was second year college. So <laughs> still was trying to figure out my way out, trying to get my feet underneath me. I'm still trying to get my feet underneath me. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Since then, I've, there's been a lot that's happened. I had several deaths in the family. I've had several heartbreaks, several uh, very happy moments. And all in all, if I could redo anything that, or change anything, it would not be uh, this book at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wish I had met you sooner. So that way I could have gotten through this process and not try to self-publish first. Yeah. (laughs) Writing has always been a, and putting out a novel has always been a really big dream of mine. And mm-hmm. uh, I just find so much enjoyment in just telling a good story. Yeah. And and how did these really big emotional points in your life affect your writing? Did it give you inspiration to channel your emotions or was it something that you really had to, to really fight to get past as like a hindrance? I'd say it was both. There's points when I was writing where I honestly it was a struggle just to push through because of everything that was happening around me. Uh, sometimes I just leave it on the back burner and just say, I have to focus on this right now and I'll come back to you later. But at the same time, as it was on the back burner and I was focusing on the other stuff, it was always still going in the back of my mind of how do I make this work? But mm-hmm. yeah, no. And sometimes when you're writing, you sometimes put your own emotion into it. You know, how does this how does the emotion you're feeling correspond to what's going on in the book? And can I use that in any way? And mm-hmm. sometimes it's cathartic and you can just you know, word vomit onto a page and it turns out perfectly fine. And other times it's just like, I gotta be a little bit more restrained and I have to focus on this first. But mm-hmm. I will say that there was a lot of emotion that has gone into this. I don't know at what point it shows up, but yeah, <laughs> I definitely feel that I put a lot of myself into this book. And now let's focus on something a little bit more happy and exciting. What if, if you reflect back on your time writing this, what was your favorite part without giving away too much about the story? What was your favorite part of the book to actually write? There are three parts that I really, really enjoyed. One part is this big set piece battle scene that involves lots of monsters and heroes fighting them and the sort of breakneck pace run throughout everything. The other two scenes is the one when they're getting set up and you're sort of meeting everybody. I like building that relationship where you're just on a journey and then you just run into this weird guy and you're like, oh, I'm coming with you. Like, I always love that in movies where it's just this character suddenly joins the party and you're just like, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and those for you that are listening and that are interested in Technomyth, one thing that Michael does really well is you have these two groups of people that are meeting and now they have this shared goal. So now they start journeying together. Um, and sometimes in stories or media, when that happens, it doesn't feel realistic because it feels like it's forced together for the sake of the story. I would say that it's not in this case. In this case, Michael does a really good job of realistically setting a situation and dialogue in which the natural course of action would be for them to work together. And I just want to applaud you on that. Thank you. You're quite a creative person just in general. So me, I ask what you do for work. Unfortunately, right now I do a very uncreative job uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm looking to find myself into a new creative position, unfortunately, because of, of factors that I'm not sure apply. I haven't been able to receive them, but currently I work as a floor for a pre-made factory, a housing factory. Mm-hmm. So the, what we do is we put together prefabricated houses that they then assemble on site to. And my job is to put in the flooring for those houses. <laughs> Get it. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say real quickly, the way you phrased that, I'm, I was kind of laughing in my head for a little bit because you said you work as a floor. So my first thought was like, you're just laying on the ground. Working <laughs> I mean, as a that floor. would be fun. <laughs> just be like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like that, that. That's Michael. He's our welcome floor. Um, yes. No. Uh, can I get you refreshments while I'm down yeah. here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as someone who wants to transition away from that and into a more creative full-time professional job, how do you think you can balance having these creative hobbies and trying to make it your full-time job? Honestly, because I haven't been able to do it, I'm not sure. But at the same time, it's a challenge I'm willing to take up. I'm definitely not going to stop writing Uh, any of my personal books or stop any of the creative hobbies that I do that might someday lead into something else. I love being able to write novels and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. So if I do transition to a creative job, what would happen was probably be finding this sort of balance of, oh, this is work away creativity where I get to have fun working in this job that I enjoy where it's, oh, now I get to come over here and enjoy doing this other thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and one thing I also, for anyone that the question applies to you all listening, if you have a creative job and creative hobbies and are struggling to find a balance between there or wondering um, how you would strike a balance if that's something you're seeking, another way to look at it is typically when you're in the workplace, you don't really have that much control over what you're doing because you have, you're most likely answering to someone else in some other project. But whenever you're home and you're working on your creative projects, you are your own boss and you get to choose the direction for that. So I think that's a big distinction that can help you maintain um, your creative passions, both professionally and creatively when you're when you're working in spaces personally and professionally at the same time. I agree with that. It's a, you also have to be at the mindset of this is work. This is fun, because yep. if you try and merge all that together, if you're going to end up miserable because you'll be working while you're supposed to be having fun. You'll be have, trying to have fun while you're supposed to be working. Mm-hmm. And while trying to have fun while you're supposed to be working might be uh, appealing to some people, you're more likely going to get into a lot of trouble in that aspect. <laughs> Yeah, not to, not to say that you can't have fun where you're working. I, I very much enjoy my job. Um, I, I, I do have fun. But the danger of that, one thing that I want to highlight as someone personally who does enjoy what they do, is that 
when does work end for me? It doesn't because I enjoy it. So I'm doing it all the time and I'm neglecting free time. I'm neglecting doing other things. I'm neglecting my other hobbies. So that's a dangerous line that that is to highlight. You know, you can enjoy what you're doing, but you really have to make sure that you make room for other things and that you force yourself to take breaks and relax. Burnout is a thing and it sucks. (laughs) So where would you like to see yourself in five years? What type of job would you would be your dream job in creative space honestly dream job i would love to write or do art for video games movies and Mm -hmm. television i'd like to work in that industry of entertainment and be able to sort of help guide media in those areas doesn't mean that i want to stop writing but (laughs) it is a different type of it's a different type of writing a different type of creation that i i've always had a passion for good stories and movies and such like Mm -hmm. that. So being able to lend my talents to that would be amazing. When you're speaking of your talents in writing and acting and in those creative uh, genres, what are you striving to achieve? What type of impact are you trying trying to leave with your work? Honestly, I just want to be remembered in some sort of a sense. I think that's anytime you put words to paper, you're all while you're trying to tell a good story and also entertain people in a sort of selfish sense to any writer out there, you're also trying to be remembered in some capacity. You don't want your work to be forgotten. And Mm -hmm. personally, I know I write because I like telling good stories and everything, but I also am aware of my own bias that I want to be remembered, that I want my work to be known and I kind of want myself to be known a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so you have this goal of, uh, of wanting to entertain at the, in the end Mm -hmm. and, 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 Going to shift gears a little bit to, um, you know, people in your life. Who would you say is your biggest supporter of your writing? I have uh, two very, very (laughs) big people. One is my mom and the other is my aunt. My aunt was my original editor. She'd go over all my work and be like, here you go. (laughs) Well, as my mom has always been, you need to go out and do what makes you happy, be able to make yourself happy at the same time, as well as, you know, feel like you're actually making a difference. And so between both of them and all the struggles and everything that they've gone through, they've been really big inspirations in how to move forward, as well as just biggest people that support my work. And what was their reaction when your book came out? They were ecstatic. They were so happy when they heard that uh, <laughs> we finally got published and everything. <laughs> yeah. I would have to guess that if they ordered a copy of your book, they probably got a really early version of our book printing. Now, I want to update everyone that uh, anyway, any of you who have ordered Technomyth uh, when it first came out or other books such as Your Brain Has Fleas or The Oracle when they first came out, we have improved our printing since then. One of the big, big things that we faced earlier was curving of the covers that's since been fixed we use a, a thicker better material so we uh, i actually have i'll just show michael real quickly here's a copy of your book right here you can see that the cover doesn't curl like we had that issue before so that oh, yeah. issue has been resolved and also uh, after we moved to colorado uh, we are investing in automating the paperbacks and then hand creating hardcovers because we are starting to receive a certain amount of orders that are hard to fulfill by hand. So we will start having more 
consistent production in terms of paperbacks in the near future uh, if any of you all had experienced that issue in the past but thank you all uh, if you have purchased a copy of Technomyth if you haven't and you're interested like I said those issues have been resolved we now have some pretty great uh, looking handcrafted paperback covers that do not curl so (laughs) uh, and it feels great we have this laminate on it that we put on to protect it and it's really soft for anyone that likes the feel of a book I dare you to buy it. Yep. <laughs> All right. So do you have um, a particular mentor that helped you uh, in your writing journey that you want to acknowledge? Nope. It was just all me, to be completely mm-hmm. honest. Like I said, my aunt was my editor, but writing down everything, it was all me. It was all a process of reading lots and lots of books as a child as still as an adult and taking what I've read and seeing what works and trying to merge it into my own work. Mm -hmm. So it's probably the reason why it took so long to write the book or write a book in general. But yeah, a lot of stuff that I've done is all self-taught. I have one last question about Technomyth and then we can start talking about this new book that you alluded to in the beginning. So is there any themes in Technomyth that represent a larger conversation that you wanted to discuss that's relevant to the real world? There is one that kind of is sort of the overarching net that encompasses the work and I think is going to encompass the further stories, but in different aspects. And it's the idea of past versus future. The idea of that the future is always better, things are always going to be better, but at the same time, not acknowledging the past and the accomplishments and we have problems here nowadays that maybe could be solved if we look to the past and realize mm-hmm. there were strengths in their understanding and knowledge then that we completely forgot nowadays. So, And I love that answer because I actually have a pet peeve. Uh, if I'm watching any type of archaeological video or documentary, there's this one thing that archaeologists, uh, or at least the people that talk in these documentaries, always say that rubs me the wrong way. They always say that uh, our ancestors had technology beyond their time. Well, obviously not. Obviously, it was technology of their time because they had it and they Mm -hmm. used it. So you talking about, you know, uh, looking back and really taking a lesson and, and looking into the knowledge that we've had in the past that could help present problems. That's the right type of view to have, as opposed to looking down upon the past, like you with this lens that we have (laughs) to be superior because we're future people, you know? So I love that answer because uh, it uh, supports a pet peeve of mine. So I mean, so, it yeah. also impacts a lot of stuff that happens today. I mean, one of the worst things that we can ever do is repeat history. Yeah. And unfortunately, with the loss or people trying to shelve knowledge of history and saying that's no good anymore, you're going to end up repeating it. And that's mm-hmm. one of the few things that scares me a lot whenever mm-hmm. I see stuff like, oh, this museum is being shut down because of this reason and this reason, and we don't think any of the knowledge inside is valuable anymore. Yeah. So are you a big history buff? Uh, there are certain points in history that I really lo- love and kind of romanticize about, but at the same time, I am excited and am very interested to see what the future holds. Mm-hmm. 
but it's the same way that I have this respect for it. I have respect for the lessons I've learned in the past and all the knowledge that was back then, as well as now, what can we learn now and what can the knowledge of the past be used to apply to the future? Mm-hmm. And should we forget that knowledge just because it wasn't the past and we think, oh, we're better than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now we just have a few more minutes left. So let's use this remaining time to talk about your new book. So tell us what the name is. Tell us what it's about. Give us all, give us everything you can. Okay. So the new book's name is called Of Monsters, Apocalypses, and Other Things. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a collection of short stories that I wrote in between Technomyth and currently the sequel that I'm working on to Technomyth right now. This is, these are kind of the writing assignments that I would just do for myself to keep my skills sharp. And there's just a bunch of you know, little short stories, all interesting fiction, uh, kind of in the vein of Steven Spielberg's Amazing Adventures or The Twilight Zone. And also a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft's little short stories that he would throw out every now and then. So that's kind of where that goes into. And uh, that's the entire sort of the overarching framework for the book. (laughs) Yeah. And for anyone who is interested in of Monsters, Apocalypse and other things, it is very early in the works. Uh, Michael just submitted the manuscript to us recently. So uh, we still got a little bit of time before we can give you a sneak peek into that and before we could really start hyping it up. But we we did just want to let you know that it is coming. It, and this is something that Michael and I will talk amongst ourselves. But if I had to estimate, I'd say probably be a um, mid to late summer release, probably a little bit later in the summer. So not too long from now, um, especially with being a short story collection, those are a little bit easier to work with and get out quicker and i personally am a huge huge fan of short story collections so if you are too then be sure to keep uh, you know join the email list you could go to our website wanderingmindspublishing.com there'll be a pop-up to join the email list and you can get notified when that comes out so that you don't forget and then of course again if you want to check out technomyth it's at wanderingmindspublishing.com bookshop in paperback and uh, ebook and uh, keep an eye out for future editions where we will be releasing it in hardcover and and audiobook also later this summer. Do you have any blogs or social media that you want people to follow you at? I mean, I have Facebook, pretty much just look up Alexander Rodriguez. And I also have a Twitter, which again, you can look up Alexander Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. But the Twitter handle is probably at Sci-Fi Hero. So <laughs> Got but it. aside from that, I don't really use uh, social media, uh, lots of social medias. Uh, I normally like to contain myself just to two because then it helps with the, uh, it helps with the lots of my mental health as well. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. Before I started this company, I never, ever, ever use social media. So I had to learn. And that's why we don't charge for marketing because um, being a small team and since I have to dip my toes into about every aspect of the company, not only do we have a small platform, but I'm also still very much learning social media. So it's not something that we really have super developed. So it's not something we charge for and it's something we're still learning. So I 100% get that. But yeah, so um, I like to thank you again for making time for this. But thank you everyone for tuning in. And uh, I hope that we have you excited for Technomyth that is already out. If you're interested, you can buy it now. And uh, keep your eye out for when the next book of Monsters, Apocalypse and other things comes out. Um, And again, Michael, thank you for taking the time. No, thank you. (laughs) 